welcome to the podium, the place where we celebrate the best in the world of motorsport. My name is Jason Skylas, and welcome to episode one of season 2021. A special thanks to all the people that tuned in in season 2020. However, if you're new and you've missed it, head over to your favourite podcasting platform. It might be where you're listening to this podcast and give us a subscribe, give us a follow and tune in to some of the previous editions of the show. We've had some very special guests that have joined us, especially in season 2020 and hopefully some more to come in season 2021. And yes, it's a huge week in the world of motorsport this week because we've got MotoGP and the Formula One World Championship beginning their seasons this weekend at Qatar and Bahrain, respectively. And we're going to be joined with some very special guests on this edition of the podium to bring us up to speed on what's been happening in the world of motorsport. We're going to be joined with the 2020 FIA Formula 3 champion, Oscar Piastri, who this season has graduated to Formula 2 with Prema Racing. Yes, the Australian driver is going to be joining us again on the podium to reflect on what was a memorable season for him in 2020 and to preview the upcoming Formula 2 season, which sees him as one of the favourites to take out another championship. In addition to that, we're also going to be joined with the 1980 Formula 1 world champion, Alan Jones. Yes, AJ joins us on the podium again and he's going to be previewing the upcoming Formula One World Championship season. And AJ doesn't hold back with, with his opinions, and great to hear what he has to say about this, coming, about this upcoming championship season of Formula One. So that's a huge addition of the show to get through. If you've missed any previous editions, head over to your favourite podcasting platform. Give us a follow, give us a subscribe, have a listen to some of the previous content that's up there, and hopefully you enjoy it. However... We've got to get things started, and right after this, we're going to do that with Oscar Piastri here on the podium. This is the podium where we celebrate the best in the world of motorsport, and we're joined right now with a guy that's going to be one to watch in the future in Australian motorsport. Just today, he's been announced as the winner of the Jack Brabham Award. I, of course, speak of Oscar Piastri. Oscar, thanks for joining us on the podium again. No worries. Thanks for having me. Now, 2020, it was a year that a lot of people wanted to forget. However, for you, so many achievements. Not only were you competing in FIA Formula 3, you won your first race. What was it? Two wins, six podiums, six fastest laps. And you won the championship. Tell me, what are your memories from 2020? Um, yeah, pretty mixed memories, um, as I'm sure it will be for a lot of people. Um, obviously, everything on the track went, went pretty well this year. Um, yeah, picking up that first win in Austria was... A massive highlight um, and then yeah I'd say my other highlight was uh, 15th to 3rd in Monza um, I think that that probably uh, won me the championship in the end but uh, yeah hopefully this year is a little bit kind of off the track but uh, if it's the same success on the track then I won't be complaining at all well yeah talk us through your expectations before that start of that season because you know you're quick from the get-go Austria you finished on the podium not only yourself it was Alex Peroni as well Talk us through how you celebrated that first win because, you know, you guys had your face masks at that point. It was quite different, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a bit of a weird podium. I think, you know, once I crossed the line and I knew that I'd won, um, I didn't really know where to go or what to do. So, um, yeah, it was a bit of a strange podium, but um, I guess it's the, the new COVID normal now. But, um, yeah, still had a race the next day, so I had to focus on that as well. 
And one of the other things that a lot of people wouldn't know is you were also completing high school in 2020. How did you balance that with all this stuff that you were doing on the international stage? Well, that's where the pandemic actually ironically worked in my favour a little bit. Um, in the original calendar, I was supposed to be doing my exams um, sort of around round two and three of the championship. Um, and in the end, my exams got cancelled. So my school, my school life was all done before the first round even began. So um, that kind of worked out very much in my favour so I could focus on racing uh, from the get-go. And say, for example, what would the backup have been had you not have taken... Taken, a, taken up a career in motorsport? Uh, to be honest, I have no idea. <laughs> um, I probably would have, would have gone to uni. Um, and I don't know, I'm, I'm pretty fascinated by, um, you know, how to make the car go fast. Obviously, it's quite an important part of being a driver, knowing how to make the car faster as well. Um, so, you know, I probably would have wanted to, to take that up in an engineering role, I would say. Well, yeah, you mentioned Monza just before. It was a topsy-turvy season in terms of the championship. You and Logan Sargent, you know, you're battling it out for that top spot in the championship pretty much every round. That Monza weekend had everything, didn't it, for both you guys. What was going through your mind during some of those low points of the weekend? Um, yeah, like you said, it was definitely a roller coaster weekend. Um, I think it's, it's probably the most emotion-filled weekend I've had in my life, let alone uh, in racing. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think the, the qualifying grid penalty I, I got, I didn't really agree with. Um, so that was, was quite hard to take, um, particularly as, as Logan uh, benefited massively from, from everyone getting penalties. Um, but yeah, I, I was pretty determined. I knew we still had the pace um, for race one and I think I showed that, which was good. Um, and then, yeah, obviously race two was quite a disaster. I uh, got taken out whilst, whilst looking for another good result and then picked up a, a grid penalty that was uh, pretty harsh as well. So, um, yeah, left, left that weekend pretty sour, to be honest. But, um, yeah, luckily we had a race weekend the next, the next weekend, so I uh, had to put that to bed pretty quick. How do you ease those nerves, especially between races, especially for that championship decider in Mugello? Yeah, it was, was definitely tough um, coming out of Monza, sort of with the weekend we had um, I think sort of taking a day or two just to not think about racing and just think about other stuff and, and you know sort of leave that in the past as much as I can um, was definitely key to that but also you know sort of acknowledging and, and getting some of my anger out and frustration out I guess um, and you know sort of just get, just dealing with that um, in the next few days and then making sure I went into Mugello fresh um, so yeah just just tried to chill out as much as I could and, and then focused on, on being quick at Mugello. Well, yeah, you did get the job done. It was very eventful as well, that last race of the championship, but everything that transpired as well at Logan Sargent early on in that weekend. What was going through your mind crossing that finish line on that last lap, knowing that you'd won the championship? Yeah, it was, was very crazy. Um, to be honest, coming into the last round, I, you know, I was still leading the championship just. I think we're equal on points, but I think my, my wins were, were higher or something. Um, but Logan was starting fifth and I was starting 11th. So, you know, I kind of had the odds against me to, to win the championship. So I actually went into it quite calm and not really expecting to win. So, yeah, when I crossed the line and, and found out that I'd, well, I knew sort of the lap before that if I stayed where I was, I'd be champion. But, um, yeah, it was pretty surreal and you know, quite unbelievable, to be honest, with sort of the weekend we'd had and especially the weekend before as well. It was, it was pretty unbelievable that we managed to win still. 
And of course, we had the images of uh, Mark Webber in your corner as well after you won that championship. What did he have to say to you and what's he been like as a mentor now? Yeah, he's been great as a mentor. Um, you know, obviously he's been through my career path that, uh, that I'm hoping to, to fully fulfill. Um, so, you know, and obviously he's, you know, one of the world's best racing drivers as well. So he's got a lot of racing advice as well. Um, you know, I think after the race, we were just talking about the race and he was, he was saying, geez, I was a bit tired. And, <laughs> you know, lucky uh, a few things happened the way they did. But um, yeah, it's great to have him in my corner and, and looking forward to more successful years together. For sure. Well, we've got Bahrain to open up the 2021 season. Championship looks a little different compared to what you were used to in 2020. So it's eight rounds. A lot of these tracks that you're racing at this year as well, you didn't get to race on in Formula 3 in 2020. How are you going to adjust to a few of the different changes to racetracks this year? Um, I think generally I'm pretty good at adapting to new tracks. Um, Mugello was an exception to that, I would say. Um, but, you know, I think it's, it's going to be quite similar for everyone because most of the, you know, the, the second year drivers in F2 wouldn't have driven on those tracks either. Um, so, yeah, I'm not, not massively phased by it. Um, you know, I think it's going to be cool to see some of these new tracks and visit some new places. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll just see how it goes, I guess. Well, yeah, another exciting achievement from 2020 was that young driver test in the Renault. What was it like getting behind the wheel of that car with all the power behind it? Yeah, it was an awesome, awesome day. Um, firstly, thank you to Renault for, for giving me that opportunity. But um, yeah, I think the biggest thing that I found different to any other single seater was mainly the braking power. Um, you know, we're pulling five or, or six Gs under brakes, which took a bit of getting used to. Um, but yeah, you know, in, in when we put it into quality trim and had full battery deployment and, and engine power and stuff like that, it was, you could definitely uh, tell you're in the fastest car in the world, that's for sure. So uh, it was an awesome day. Well, yeah, well, we get a lot of our listeners, they ask, how do I get into motorsport? So there's a lot of guys coming up through karting, different motorsport categories. What advice do you give them? Because, you know, there's so many things that, that are involved in it. There's obviously talent, which you've got, and there's all these other things that are out of the control of a driver, so there's sponsorship, and there's also timing as well and luck. What advice do you give to drivers coming up through the ranks? Um, I, I think it, when you're first starting out, the most important thing is to enjoy it. Um, you know, if, if you're not enjoying it from, uh, you know, from karting and sort of in comparison to what I'm experiencing now, quite a low-pressure environment, then there's a very good chance you're not going to enjoy it higher up. So I think making sure you're having fun, firstly, and, and that's the main reason you're doing it is is massively important um, like you said there's a lot of uncontrollable things um, luck is a massive part of motorsport and, and timing as well but you know all you can really do is is try and win as much as you can and put yourself in a good position and you know hopefully things fall, fall your way you can't dwell on that um, you know we all know how expensive motorsport is and unfortunately that's that's something that I don't see changing anytime soon so um, yeah, don't really have any advice for that one. But, um, yeah, I think just make sure you're having fun and, and doing it for the right reasons and hopefully everything else will fall into place. Well, yeah, just quickly, what are the expectations for this season? Where do you think you'll be? Where do you hope to be? Um, I don't really have a, a specific target, to be honest. Um, I think we all know how challenging the F2 Championship is to, to excel in your first year, um, or to excel at all, to be honest. Um, so, you know, I, I want to be matching uh, my teammate, Robert, um, and, and trying to beat him 
as much as I can because you know I think that your teammates your first comparison and you know it's an equal comparison as well in, in the same car so um, I'm sure if I'm challenging him or, or beating him then I'll be somewhere up the pointy end and uh, that's that's kind of the mentality I had for F3 as well so yeah, try and try and beat my teammate, and uh, hopefully that means I'll be somewhere at the front. Well, yeah, and I couldn't finish the interview without asking you about Formula One. Obviously, you mentioned that test right, test right, test experience. Uh, you know, you're linked up with Alpine or Alpine, depending yeah. on how people say it. Uh, they've got Fernando Alonso there, two se- two year contract there, and you've got Esteban Ocon there in the Formula One seat at the moment. What's the career planning at the moment? Are you hoping to have a really strong year this year and maybe end up in F1 next year or maybe two years down the track? What's, what's the thinking at the moment? Um, I, you know, I think two years in F2 is a very realistic goal um, to try and get myself into F1. Um, you know, I think it's, it's not impossible, but it's going to be very challenging to, to try and get into F1 for, for 2022. Um, so yeah, fully prepared for, for two years in F2, but in saying that, I also was prepared for two years in F3. So um, yeah, we'll see what happens. You know, all I can do is, is try and win as, as many races and, and hopefully championships as I can and put myself in a strong spot and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens uh, outside of that. Fantastic. Well, I'm sure I speak on behalf of many Australians in wishing you the very best of luck in 2021 hopefully it's as good as 2020 was for you because that was a huge year with plenty of highlights hopefully you come away with another championship this year thank you very much hopefully there he is the formula 2 prema racing driver oscar piastri joining us just before the start of the 2021 formula 2 season so great to have oscar on the show once again and Let's hope it's another championship-winning season for him. If he does win the season, it's going to be a good opportunity for him to springboard himself into Formula One next championship season. Might be with Alpine, might be with another team. Just got to wait and see what happens there. So special thanks to Oscar for joining us again on the podium. Right after this, though, we're going to be joined with the 1980 Formula One world champion, Alan Jones, who's going to be previewing season 2021. That's right after this here on the podium. This is the podium where we celebrate the best in the world of motorsport. And joining us once again on the podium is the 1980 Formula One world champion. It's our Aussie-owned Alan Jones. Alan, thanks so much for joining us on the podium again. Pleasure, mate. It's been a while since we had you on the show. It was actually a year ago. It was the lead-up to the 2020 Formula One Australian Grand Prix. And as you're well aware, a lot has happened in that time. Tell me, first of all, how did you manage throughout that whole crazy period? Well, like everybody else, I guess, you just try and make the best of a bad thing. You know, obviously, uh, it was a bit of a fascinating era of motorsport simply because they used different circuits and it was all, I found all that a little bit interesting, but uh, I'm sure glad it's now getting back to some normality. Yeah, well, it's quite hard to believe that we got 17 events through in 2020. And like you said, some old circuits returning to the calendar like Imola and a few other brand new circuits. What do you make of these historic tracks returning to the calendar? Because some of these tracks are some from from back in your day. Yeah, I I was really glad because as far as I'm concerned, I think they've buggered up a lot of old tracks. I mean, the old um, Ostrike Link, which was really a very fast uh, uh, circuit with big, long, sweeping turns. It was great. I think they've buggered it up by putting all these chicanes and shortening it. 
they seem to have done that to a few circuits, but you know, to go to Portimao in uh, in uh, Portugal, which is a new circuit, I, I found that really nice. It's a, it's a good, interesting circuit. Um, yeah, I, I enjoy it. Well, yeah, you mentioned the Austrike ring in there. That was around opening two championship rounds of the championship. And we had a lot of stuff even going into that. There was all this stuff happening in the silly season before we'd even had a race taking place. Quite remarkable, wasn't it? And, um, you know, Daniel Ricciardo, he was at the centre of that and he announced his big move to McLaren before he'd even started the season. What did you make of Daniel's move? Well, I think it's typical Formula One at the moment. There seems to be more action and drama off the circuit than on it. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think Daniel, you know, when he left uh, Red Bull to go to Renault, I thought he'd done the right thing. Though you know, They were a little bit slower on the uptake than I hoped they would be because I still think they make a bloody good engine. Um, they seem to be coming a little bit better now. But for sure, I think this time he has done the right thing by going to McLaren because I think... Uh, they're pretty progressive. I think he'll get on a lot better there with Zach Brown. Um, you know, they're, they're a good sort of a team based in England. So I think he'll be a lot more at home there than these previous teams. Well, yeah, one of the historic Formula One teams is Ferrari. And once the season did get underway in 2020, it was quite evident that the Ferrari wasn't going to be where it was ex- expected to be. What did you make of all the struggles there with Ferrari and Sebastian Vettel? Yeah, well, that in itself was fairly fascinating, wasn't it? I think that, um, you know, we're so used to seeing Ferrari up the pointing head. But having said that, of course, let's take our memories back to about 20 years ago or thereabouts. They went through a very quiet time as well until Schumacher came along and sort of pulled them out of the mire and got them all organised, starting winning all those races in a row. Um, But, you know, when that happened, we were so used to seeing Ferrari up the front consistently that... uh, last year and what have you, it was all a bit disappointing because everybody loves to see a Ferrari up the front. I mean, Formula One without Ferrari would be a tragedy, I reckon. Well, yeah, we talked about some of the low points of the season there with Ferrari. However, lots of highlights throughout 2020. Uh, Lewis Hamilton, I remember we got your prediction a year ago and you said he'd smash all the records and sure enough he did again. What do you make of Lewis's performance in 2020? Well, it was exemplary. I mean, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, love him or like him, hate him or whatever. I, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm in two minds about him myself as a person. But at the end of the day, you can't take it away from him. I mean, he's the top of the game at the moment. He's the best Formula One driver in the world. And he's making the best of having the best machinery. And that's that you can ask no more than that. And he's had a very interesting off-season, of course, with his contract negotiations stalling. He has agreed to a one-year deal now, he contracted COVID in 2020, and unfortunately for him, it meant that George Russell would step up and replace him. And you could argue that that was a race that kind of maybe questioned Mercedes and Hamilton in the future, wasn't it? Because George Russell almost won a race on debut for Merck. Well, he, but I've always reckoned, uh, George, I reckon that um, he's, he's unbelievably... I mean, we've seen him in a couple of years in the past where he's actually done the odd Mercedes test day on the Monday after a Grand Prix, and he's topped the time. Um, you know, I mean, he is a really good talent. There's no question about that. And I think that uh, it probably made old Lewis sit back a bit and think, hang on. Well, yeah, well, one of the other huge moments from the year was Pierre Gasly. I don't think anyone saw this coming, especially after the tumultuous time he had at the Red Bull team back years prior. He finally got his win at Monza. What was going through your mind watching that race? Well, I thought it was terrific. I love to see that. I mean, I, I really love to see 
some of these lesser-known drivers or, or drivers that, given the opportunity, come to the fore. And I've always said this about wet races, you know, that sometimes when a wet, a wet race comes up, it gives a driver a bit of an opportunity to shine that he wouldn't normally in the dry. And to see someone like him come through and win a Grand Prix, I think it's terrific. And the other guy to break through for his first win in 2020 was Sergio Perez. There was a lot of talk going into that weekend whether he'd still have a seat come 2021. However, he did deliver. Tell me, you've been watching Sergio Perez for a while now. He's been in the championship a good 10 seasons. How have you seen his progression and now with this new role at Red Bull coming up? Oh, I still, you know, I, I think Verstappen will wipe the floor with him. I think he's a very good, capable Formula One driver. There's no doubt about that. And I think where he is right now is where he belongs. He's actually a really good number two. (laughs) Well, and one of the other huge moments from 2020 came, uh, of course, with the Haas team and Romain Grosjean. Tell me, what were you thinking watching that accident transpire? (laughs) I thought we'd just seen a bloke kill himself. Um, you know, I've never really rated him all that much. I think he's always been a bit of a, you know, he's a whinger and a whiner and there's always something wrong with the brakes and everything's always, you know, not his fault and what have you. So I've never really reckoned him as a driver all that much, to be honest with you. But uh, it was certainly a major shunt. He was a very, very lucky boy indeed. And it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how he goes in uh, empty racing. I think he'll probably acquit himself quite well over there. What have you made of the safety of Formula One? Because, yeah, like you said, I don't think anyone expected him to be able to get out of that car. And looking at the state of it, it was split in two by the end of it. It does really say something about the safety of the sport now compared to decades gone by. Oh, no question about that. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, these cars now are unbelievably safe. I mean, you know, I'm not a good of the halo. I think it's an ugly looking thing. Um, but having said that, it, you know, it, it saves his life, that's for sure. And I guess if it does that, it's, it's worthwhile. But I'm just hoping we never see the day that a driver is not going to be able to get out of an upside-down car on fire because of it. Um, and I, I still think there's pros and cons for it. Uh, but, um, yeah, you know, like at the end of the day, it's, a, it's, a, it's another safety aspect, which the Formula One are continuously introducing. And uh, I guess that's what it's all about. Well, yeah, I mentioned in the intro, 1980 Formula One world champion, of course. You're the first guy to win a championship for the Williams Formula One team. And I can't go without asking about everything that's happened with Williams as well. It was announced in 2020 that the Williams family was leaving the team. Were you quite emotional as well with that announcement? I was, yeah. I mean, obviously, um, you know, they were sort of my family. Um, We all sort of started together as such and came, you know, but I mean, Nothing ever lasts. You know, it doesn't matter whether it's Formula One, business, whatever. Nothing ever lasts forever. And uh, I, I guess, you know, Frank should be super proud of what he's done. You know, he's, uh, you know, what he's done in Formula One, very few people have done indeed. And to continue on racing in Formula One, you know, with, with the injuries that he, he had, uh, was, I mean, I, I, w- I wouldn't be able to go to those, that many Grand Prix as an able-bodied person, let alone a quadriplegic in a wheelchair, it drives me mad. Um, so, you know, I just completely salute that whole Williams family for their effort and what they've done. And, you know, I think it's, it was a great effort. For sure. Well, let's have a look at some of these driver lineups for 2021. Uh, status quo at Mercedes with Hamilton and Bottas. Who do you think is going to win the teammate war there this season? Uh, I, I think Lewis, you know, I think... Um, 
I think Potash was entering into the old sort of psychological business, you know, which is always to me a bit of a, you know, some of these modern Formula One drivers, they all get to the stage where they all sit down with, with the with the bench, with the, the fist clenched doing the old, you know, and all that nonsense. And uh, I just don't think that ever gets you anywhere. I just think you've got to get your ass in the car and go for it. Um, and I think the, the more you sort of carry on with all this extra celestial nonsense and this, that, and the other thing, and to me, it's always a bit of a bad sign. But I think Lewis will have him psychologically and also raw speed. Well, yeah, you already gave us your opinion on Red Bull Racing with Sergio Perez and Max Verstappen. I have to ask you, though, about Max Verstappen. You know, he's been in the sport a few years now from a very young age. Say he was in the exact same car as Lewis, Lewis Hamilton. Do you reckon he's the best driver at the moment? Well, I, I love him because he's a little racer. He, he speaks his mind. He, he gets on with it. He, he doesn't carry on with all this other crap that most, a, lot, a lot of them do, i.e. Lewis and now Bottas. Um, you know, he just seems, he gets up there and he's a racer. He has a go. And uh, to me, that's what it's all about. And McLaren, this this is a driver lineup that's very tantalising for a lot of fans, not only because of the personality stakes, but also because of the talent stakes as well. Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo, who do you think is going to come out on top this season? Oh, I think Daniel will, um, you know, because of his experience and he's extremely talented. I think he now realises that this is really, he's got to make this pay, you know. Uh, he's, he's been with a couple of really good teams and, I think this is his time to shine. I really do. A uh, little bit disappointed in him uh, last season, you know, when he complained about them showing Grosjean's accident too many times. You know, he said that when he walked past the garage and he saw it up on the TV, you know, it was very upsetting and mentally it was a bit disturbing for you know for him and other drivers. You know, I, I don't truck with all that nonsense. You know, it's a bit like anything on TV. If you think you've seen it too many times, don't watch. Turn around. Turn it off. <laughs> um, you know, it's a simple one. No one's actually put his arm up his back and forced him to watch it. And I think that worries me a little bit, you know, that um, maybe like a lot of modern Formula 1 drivers are starting to you know, believe their own publicity a little bit. But, you know, he's very talented. Me more than anybody. I'd love him to win a world championship. Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's a three-year deal now with uh, the McLaren-Mercedes team. They were very quick in testing. Yeah, linked back up with Mercedes power once again. What do, what do we think is going to be achievable for Daniel Ricciardo in the next few seasons, especially this season coming up? Well, I think, I think um, certainly quite a few podium finishes. And I think that if Red Bull and Mercedes... Uh, get preoccupied with beating one another or whatever, I think that, you know, McLaren could very well be the dark horse. For sure. I think it's going to be a fascinating season. I'm really looking forward to it. You know, we've got a lot of new drivers, a lot of new teams. Uh, We've got Ferrari supposedly coming out now with a much more powerful engine. We've got McLaren with its, you know, diffuser at the back, mind you. It won't take too long for other teams to copy that. Um, But, you know, I just think it's going to be a very interesting season. For sure. Well, you mentioned there the new teams. Aston Martin comes back into the sport now, and they've got Sebastian Vettel lining up against uh, Lance Stroll, the billionaire businessman Lawrence Stroll, the owner of the team. How do you think these guys are going to go? Because with that pink Merc, they were flying in 2020. They were, and I, and I can't see any reason why they shouldn't carry that momentum through. Uh, once again, Vettel, I think, will come in refreshed. I think he'll come in with a point to prove. Um, 
I don't think he's lost any talent. You don't lose your talent. Maybe you lose a little bit of reflexes and what have you. The older you get, a little maybe, uh, you know, with the more and more assets being accumulated in the bank, you're probably a little less likely to take a, 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 you know, a a risk. But um, having said that, I think he'll acquit himself really, really well. Um, And I think a lot of people uh, have underestimated Stroll. I think he's not a bad little guy, just quietly. And who do you reckon will come out on top? Do you reckon it'll be Vettel or Stroll this season? Oh, I wouldn't be t- I wouldn't be at all surprised if it was Stroll, to be honest. Oh, interesting stuff. Now, this is the one I really want to get your opinion on. Alpine, the rebranded Renault team. Fernando Alonso, we just talked about world champions and not losing any of their skill. This was a real surprise to many, seeing Fernando Alonso return to Formula 1. He comes back and he's got Esteban Ocon alongside him this season. How is Fernando Alonso going to readjust to Formula 1 again, do you think? Well, I think you'll look once again. You know, um, you don't you don't sort of misplace your your, your talent. It's not like you know you go and place it in a, somewhere. But I mean, at the end of the day, um, it's another fascinating aspect, isn't it? I mean, how's he going to go? Is he going to come back and have the speed he used to? Uh, you know, this is why I think this season's going to be absolutely you know fascinating. To be honest with you, um, Ocon. Well, I don't know about him. He could come good. At, he you know like Bettle. Bettle could be the um, uh, well, sorry, Alonso could be the catalyst that he needs to sort of drag him up to the next level. Well, yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope so. And Ferrari, do you think they're going to get their act together this season? Um, I don't know. If anyone can sort of snatch uh, defeat out of the jaws of victory, it is Ferrari. Um, so I don't really know. It just depends on... you know. I, this new engine, I think, shows a bit of... But it just depends on how well they're going to get organised. Well, a name that's synonymous with Ferrari is the Schumacher name, and you've got Mick Schumacher that's been coming up through the junior ranks. He'll make his debut as well this season. Have you managed to see much, much of Mick Schumacher in action, the Formula 2 champion? And what do you think, given the machinery he's going to be in this year, what do you think would be a good result for him? I think a good result for him would be a consistent midfield to upper midfield. Um, it's probably going to take him... Traditionally, has always taken a year or so to sort of settle into any new formula that he's gotten into, whether it be Formula 3 or Formula 2. Um, and I don't know whether this year is going to be any different or not. I certainly think he's got the talent. He's a lovely boy. I mean, I really like him. Um, and I, I think he's got the determination to do the job. Um, two rookies in that team, well, that's going to be interesting to look at as a year. It is, it is. And uh, do you reckon he'll get elevated to Alfa Romeo if he has a good year this year? Or what do you think will happen there with him? Would you want to be elevated to Alfa Romeo? <laughs> uh, I don't know whether that would be a step up or not. Um, look, you know, it's on the cards, I guess. But, um, it, you know, with Ferrari, you just never really know. I mean, if he really goes extremely well, he could be elevated straight into a Ferrari. You just didn't know. Very true, very true. Well, you know, he's one of the hot new talents in Australia. We're very lucky to have a few talents coming up through the ranks at the moment. Uh, there's Jack Doohan competing in Formula 3. There's Alex Peroni competing in Indy Lights this season. And Oscar Piastri spoke to this guy just, just before and so many exciting things when it comes to this guy. He's this season competing in Formula 2. He won the Formula 3 championship in 2020. What have you made of Oscar Piastri and what he is going to be in terms of the future of Formula One for Australia? 
Well, every now and again, somebody comes along that, um, you know, draws the uh, attention of everybody. And he's certainly one of these. I mean, he's got the right people behind him. He's got weather pushing him. Um, he seems to have his bum in the right place at the right time. And that's what you've got to do. And you've got to take advantage of it when that happens, obviously. Um, so, you know, I'm going to be watching him with great interest this year in, in Formula 2. I think he'll he'll get the job done. And, and let's hope he does because... At the end of the day, the more Aussies we've got on the grid, the better, as far as I'm concerned. For sure, Alan. And just before we let you go, I want to get a quick podium prediction for the season. Who is going to be the top three in the championship standings come season end, Alan? Well, I think I think it's going to be Hamilton again. Uh, I think it will probably be Bottas. As again, I think it would be a Mercedes 1-2, or not necessarily in that order. Um, and then as a bit of a wild card, I'll probably go for Daniel in the, in the McLaren. Fantastic. Well, Alan Jones, thanks so much for joining us once again on the podium. Hopefully we have another enthralling Formula One season. My pleasure. Thank you. Bye. There you have it. Alan Jones joining us on the podium again. And he doesn't hold back with his opinions, which is awesome. And some interesting predictions there from Alan going into the 2021 Formula One World Championship season. Right after this, we're going to wrap up with the podium of the week. Yes, it's time to wrap things up now with the podium of the week. And let's get started. For anyone that's new to this, welcome. What we do here is we celebrate three performances from the motorsport world in the past week, and we do it in a three-to-one format. Let's get started with position number three. Position number three on the podium of the week. We're going to give it to a NASCAR driver. We're giving it to the Penske driver, Ryan Blaney, for getting his first win in the 2021 NASCAR Cup Series. He's endured a few, a few tough seasons. However, good to see him bounce back on the weekend and getting a strong win. With that win, he becomes the sixth different winner in six different races this championship season in the Cup Series. So great stuff there, Ryan Blaney. Position number two, we're going to give it to an Australian. We're giving it to Jack Miller who has been lighting the testing times on fire in MotoGP. He, of course, moves over to the Ducati factory team this season, and he's already one of the favourites to take out this championship in MotoGP. Hopefully he can do it for all the Australians out there. It's been quite a long time since we've had an Australian at the top of the podium in MotoGP. And we've got to go to position number one now. We've got to finish it off with position number one, and how can we look past this guy? This guy got injured a few weeks ago. It looked like he was going to be ruled out of the second round of the Supercar Championship Series at Sandown. However, not only did he compete, he managed to win every single race over the weekend. I speak, of course, of Shane Van Gisbergen. Stormed his way through the field, 17th the first, and looked unstoppable in all three races. So, well done, Shane Van Gisbergen. That's been it for this edition of the show. Like I said, a huge weekend of motorsport coming up. For all motorsport fans out there, we've got Formula One, we've got Formula Two featuring Australian-owned Oscar Piastri, as well as that we've got MotoGP featuring Jack Miller and Moto2, let's not forget Moto2, Remy Gardner steps up to the KTM team in Moto2, as well as that we have the NASCAR Cup Series from Bristol as well. So it's a huge weekend coming up in motorsport. That's about it though for this edition of the show. We'll catch you next time on the podium.